0: Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Oh, I love that sound because it means it's Friday and it's 5 o'clock. The five o'clock pop is brought to you by Farmers Brewing Company, whatever time it is, wherever you are, join us as we get ready for this sports weekend with the 49ers in the nation's capital and the Warriors hosting Luca and the Mavs. We'll be sipping on Farmers Light, their premium light lager lager, just ninety-eight calories per 12 fluid ounces. Go grab a six-pack from Farmers Brewing at your nearest grocery store and enjoy the game with us and the beer here. I'm 95-7 the game. Really, just to wrap things up on Trey Lance, you know, my only thing was with him, and I, I have to stand by this because I said this the minute I saw him, is that his, his delivery looked a little funky from day one. And, you know, I, I threw out a reference to, to Bill Walsh because I know you'd appreciate that yesterday, and i got to give you another one, Larry. I remember what Bill Walsh said that always just stuck in my head. And this has changed over the years. But he said, look it. When he was referred to as the genius, right? He was you know, he was the guy that created the West Coast offense, although he accredits a lot of that to Paul Brown. But he took football into a whole other realm and he said, "I can teach you a lot when it comes to football." Yes. I can, you know, I'm a mastermind and innovator when it comes to offenses. He said, "The one thing I cannot teach a quarterback is accuracy." He's think like, I think that's DNA. He's like that's one thing that either you have or you don't, and so the before mentioned the Alex Smith, he has seven years. He toiled under seven different coordinators, offensive coordinators, but the accuracy. Of, I think if a quarterback, if if a Bill Walsh or even a Kyle Shanahan can work with that like that, say what you will about Garoppolo, but he could be accurate at times more so than Trey Lance. I think that was his downfall more than anything else.
2: The lack of accuracy. Lack of accuracy. Um, I think it's part of it. Part of it. I mean, um, he just he just looked really raw in several phases of the game. So um, I, I saw huge improvement from year one to year two, um, you know, or from year one playing to year two playing, but um, or sitting, I should say, but in camp. The two years we saw him in training camp, um, I I personally think that that uh, Trey Lance is going to get going to get there. But um, he doesn't throw, you know, he, he, he didn't throw a very catchable football at first. It was high-speed wobbles, but he had a finger injury. And then this last year in camp, he threw the ball hard, but he had gotten rid of the wobble. And he threw the ball a lot better. His ball looked a lot better. And if you caught him on the right day this summer, you would have swore that he was their best quarterback. And there were several times where he outplayed Sam Darnold. If you ask me, I mean, this whole talk when they traded him, well, Sam had easily outplayed him. And immediately, all these yes-men were like, oh yeah, well, of course, Sam uh, easily outplayed him. That's such garbage. That is such garbage. I was there for every single practice. I know what I'm watching. Um, Sam Darnold did not badly outplay him. They didn't want... They, once they signed Sam Darnold, they had moved on from Trey. They, 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 that was not an even playing field. That was not an open, even, level playing field competition. They signed Sam Darnold because they made the evaluation um, that they were going with Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold wouldn't have signed on the first day of free agency, you know, literally before it was even official. He signed. Well, why did he sign? Because they promised him he'd be the number two guy. That's why he signed. And they promised Brandon Allen they'd be the number three guy, and that's why he signed. And they they made up this whole idea about this this uh, competition. There was no real competition. There really wasn't. It was Brock was going to be the starter if he was healthy, and was Trey would have been dealt on draft day if Brock had been healthy, but he wasn't. Um, Sam was there as the number two, regardless of what happened, and uh, Brandon Allen was there as number three, regardless of what happened, and Trey was always going to be Trey. So this whole, like, oh, there was a competition. There was no competition. I don't buy that for a second. So that that was my read on it. And I think he'll be good, but it's going to take some time. I really do. eight eight
1: eight nine five seven nine five seven zero 957 Walnut Creek, the location. Let's bring in Dale to the conversation. Hey, Dale. Hey,
3: guys. What's going on? Can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. Hey, listen, I want, I want to ask Larry his recent remarks you know, too raw, gonna be good, you know, needed some needed some time. Is he talking about Trey Lance or James Wiseman? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, the thing about James Wiseman, another guy who was an awesome paper prospect. Seven feet, 240 pounds, runs like the wind, smart as a smart as heck, speaks mandarin, everybody loves him. You know, I mean he he was another guy, but you got to have good hands and you got to live to block shots and rebound and you could tell what interested James Wiseman was his perimeter game. He loved he loved to face up and shoot the ball, and that just wasn't what he's what he's good at. And I just don't think at the end of the day, I didn't see a a guy who was just really, really tough. I saw kind of a I hate to say it, kind of a marshmallow guy with a with a with soft with bad hands. and he's gone to Detroit, and he's every bit the bust in Detroit that he was here you got to go out of your way to be a
1: bust in Detroit.
2: I mean, not only that, they made, they traded him for a defensive two-guard with injury problems, and it was a steal for the Warriors. I mean, think about that for a second. You
1: know, when you talk about
2: James Weissman
1: and the emergence of
2: Trace Jackson Davis,
1: that one play, and I always go back to this, that one block that TJD had on Jalen Brown against the Boston Celtics, I, I will never, to me... No matter where his career goes from here, that was the coming out party. That was the moment. where Jalen Brown crossed over on Pajemski, he had a layup. It was a left-handed layup, and out of nowhere. Here comes Trace Jackson Davis protecting the rim and blocks and meets Jalen Brown at the rim. I literally jumped out of my couch. I haven't seen that. I I don't know, Andrew Bogut? I don't even had that sort of athleticism. You just never saw that as a Warrior fan a big with that sort of athleticism around the rim. And as it relates to James Weissman, that's exactly what it is that the Warriors wanted out of him. And the one thing that he could not grasp is do- defensive rotations and weak side help. And there was TJD
2: just boom. Well, you know? TJD played four years in the Big Ten. Exactly. And, you know, was a rebounder, shot blocker, scorer. I mean, his dad played in the NBA. Isn't it amazing how... A guy picked fifty seventh overall, almost not drafted, is a better player than James Wiseman. Amazing, Rich is in Fremont.
1: Hello, Rich. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for taking my call, uh,
3: Larry. I-, I think you're spot on when it comes to Trey Lance. I-, I think the Niners moved on him way too soon. I was, I was kind of, kind of, you know, I guess the word I would use is stunned when he decided to leave and go to Dallas because he didn't want to be the number three quarterback. And it's like, he goes to Dallas and what does he become? The number three quarterback. So, but I think you're right. I think that he's an unfinished product. I think that, that if, if they would have spent a little more time development or at least, you know, convince him to stay as the number three and, and stay here and let, and develop, you know, the kid, I think he probably would have would've have gotten better. I think he would have here. Unfortunately, he didn't want to stay here. So that's the reason why he's in Dallas.
2: Well, you know why he didn't you know but let me say this. You know you know why he didn't want to stay here? Because he knew they didn't want him here. Mm. And they, you know why they didn't want him here? Because he cost too much money next year. So they weren't gonna pay him the kind of money based on his draft position to be their third string quarterback. The average third string quarterback in the NFL is under contract for a million dollars. Trey Lance would have been on the on the on the books this year for 9 million dollars. In a cap sport, you cannot have a third string quarterback making 9 million dollars. So once they decided that he was going to be number 3, and they what did they give Sam Darnold? They gave him a 5-year, 5 million dollars. So they gave him a deal that was like, made it, it was like great money, or was it more? It might have been more. But I think it was basically great money for a number 2 quarterback. And they gave Brandon Allen a $1 million guarantee. And that's, when I saw that one too, I was like, so wait, Brandon Allen, who was the backup last year to Joe Burrow, made a million dollars. Was going to sign with the Niners. People were like, "Well, you can just take what well, you know." All this discussion this spring was so entertaining. It was like, "Well, what they'll do is they'll they'll have Sam be the one or the or have Sam be the two or the three, and they'll have Trey be the two or the three, and they'll just put Brandon Allen on the practice squad." So now Brandon Allen, who was number two in Cincinnati last year, made a million dollars, has to go tell his wife. By the way, honey. I'm going to be on the practice squad this year and I think the practice squad total is $207,000. I mean, imagine if you're making 800 grand and you signed up for a $200,000 deal. So, you know, that that was never going to happen. Brandon was there for a million bucks. He the he made you know, Q- Q- QB3 money, Darnold makes QB2 money, they're saving money on Brock, and they weren't going to pay $9 million for Trey to be the third-string guy. So they may have told him, hey, you, Trey, you know, we'll, we're we're, we'll, we're glad to have you here, but I guarantee you they intimated to that agent, we don't want you. Uh, and and their agent intimated to to Trey you need a fresh start. And that's why he said, "You know what? I don't want to be here." Because he I you know, I, and they may have been more direct about it with him than than I'm than I'm painting the picture as, but I doubt it. I doubt it. I think I think that they just kind of painted the picture his agent figured it out and they said, "Let's just go somewhere else." That
1: takes us to Brock Purdy. Well, they can't – Brock Purdy, I don't think, you can get a contract – they can't talk contract until next year, right? 2025, I want to say? Two years, I think. I so think 2025, two right, is the first time they can yeah. extend that contract.
2: People are saying, they need to pay him right now, or they're going to – it's like, no, you need to learn the rules right you now and figure out that they can't pay him right now. What,
1: what's? I mean, this is all conjecture. A lot has to happen between now and then, but as of right now – What's he going to command? I mean, is he a 200 million dollar guy? I mean, Joe Burrow is at what 5 and 275 at 55 per uh is
2: he? I mean, he's going to cost 20 he's going to cost somewhere between, you know, north of 25 million and south of 50 million. And I, I as far as what in there, I don't know. Wow. But yeah, it's going to, you know, he's going to you're going to pay him if he continues to do what he does. Um, and win all these games and have these great numbers. Yeah, you're going to be paying him thirty plus million dollars a year,
1: which means
2: you got to win now. Exactly. he's on a rookie deal.
1: Yeah, which is you know, sort of why you're seeing Kansas City struggle is because and you he can't pay everybody, and Tariq Hill had to go, and they haven't been able to, you know, find somebody to catch a ball from Patrick Mahomes since his departure. and Juju Smith shoots her out the door, and a lot of that is just it's a matter of the cap. And where would
2: where would Shanahan and Lynch be? In the eyes of Niner fans right now, if Brock were never drafted and Trey was slow to develop, and they're sitting here with Trey Lance and a roster full of guys like Trent Williams and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and Nick Bosa and all these stars, and they're ready to win right now, and they're not winning now, and the quarterback's not developed, and he's not ready to go, Um people might have a whole different viewpoint of the Lynch-Shanahan regime. I don't know that if the system
1: quarterback applies necessarily to Brock Purdy, but when you look at Jimmy Garoppolo and what's happened since his departure, and if you want to throw C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins into that conversation, you can. But that's... I mean, there's a good chance that Jimmy Garoppolo might still be your quarterback. Obviously, he got hurt, but... You know, You're right. How good was Garoppolo with Kyle Shanahan? I mean... We have to remember, prior to him going down to that injury against Miami after he replaced Trey Lance a year ago, he was playing winning football, and a lot of that is just simply because Kyle Shanahan will scheme guys open. And again, if you can be accurate, which is really the operative word here, then I think you can succeed under Kyle Shanahan's system.
2: The only you know the problem though with with Jimmy Garoppolo is he was regressing. And he was not throwing the ball down the field or outside the numbers. So you're, you're looking at a guy who there was almost no downfield passing attack under Jimmy Garoppolo, and he was a terrible late-in-the-down thrower. So if things didn't break his way off the initial play call, man, it was cross-your-finger time. And, and think about this, too. How many times did Jimmy Garoppolo throw the ball in the middle of the field and get his receivers just lit up. Oh. Brock, well, that's the accuracy Brock Purdy never gets is, his th- Those are the lit subtleties
1: up. that people just overlook. Like throwing to a guy's outside shoulder, so you hit him in stride, as opposed to having to reach down, and then I'm stopped right where I'm out of my tracks. And you you throw those little swing passes and you have to check down to the flats to a Christian McCaffrey and you hit him in stride so he continues upfield as opposed to having to reach behind and make a catch. That's that's the system. With which you're working in that Kyle Shannon has drafted for you, as well as the rest of the team to succeed. Telmo, I didn't see it. Back out to the phone line, so <laughs> we started something here with Weissman and Trey Lance. Telmo, what's on your mind?
3: What's up, fellas? How you doing on this? Uh... Wet San Francisco Friday.
2: Seriously, I, I can hear people's wipers going in the background. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that, that would be that would be me. <laughs> uh, I'll try to uh, keep my uh, wiping to a minimum. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but uh, in in your conversation, actually, you drew up um you you just in 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 the conversation you brought up some names and it instantly um kind of created some parallels um in my mind about um where both teams are uh now the the warriors and and the forty ers with with certain players in certain positions versus where they were and where they drafted high profile players um and, you know, in terms of just r- uh, upside, you know, the Trey Lance and, and Wiseman comparison is very easy to make because they both came in with a lot of athleticism, a lot of potential, uh, uh, such a huge ceiling. But in terms of experience and actual playing in games and leadership and decision making processes they were both very very raw and I think we, we, we saw that come across and, and on both on, on teams that had loaded rosters that were really um, had championship expectations so I think that was part of the outcome for those players now I think Trey Lance had a little bit more dog in him than Wiseman but in terms of leadership I don't think he ever established himself that way which brings me to Brock Purdy And TJD, Brock Purdy, the last pick in the draft. TJD, almost the last pick in the draft in the NBA. They both played in the Big Ten for four years on teams that weren't the best teams in, in their conference. So they spent a lot of games playing against better opposition and having to, to grow and be better, but also make quicker decisions because they were playing against better athletes. And they came in with that confidence. They spent a lot of time breaking down film, a lot of time learning plays, a lot of time um, being leaders. So they came in with that confidence, and I think they're both... You know, while I don't think Purdy has the athleticism that Trey Lance has, and I don't think TJD has the the athleticism that Wiseman had, I think they both came in um, both better prepared to be professionals in their own respective uh, sports just from a muscle memory repetition standpoint, but also a confidence and the mental part of the game, which I think in both the Warriors with Kerr and with Shanahan is actually the most important thing for them is a player's ability to make the accurate and right decisions.
2: No, I think you make a lot of good points. I mean, this isn't the, you know, um, it's it's not a track meet. Um, it's, it's, you know, you're talking about these are games of skill. And um, and it's you know, who's got the skill. I mean, you gotta know how to play football, you gotta know how to play the quarterback position, you gotta know how to play basketball. It's not just about how high can you jump and how fast can you run and what does your resume look like. There's a game and there's it's a skill based game in both cases, and um, and experience matters. I think that, that if anything should be learned from all this is that experience matters. Don't draft guys who are one year starters. You know, Trey Lane. Had, had a very unique situation. No quarterback had been drafted in 40 years of the NFL draft that had fewer collegiate pass attempts than Trey Lance. So he was a major projection. Um, you know, he played in the FCS level at, the, at a school at North Dakota State that was the equivalent of, like, Alabama of the FCS. So it's always hard to evaluate players on dominant teams. That's like Matt Leinart coming out of USC was a hard hard player to evaluate. Went in the top 10, wasn't a top 10 player. But he played at USC, around a ton of talent. And Trey played around a ton of talent at North Dakota State. Then he had a whole year taken away by the pandemic. They had one year where he played one game against Central Arkansas. He played very, very little football at a totally lower level. And to draft him that high was a major Projection As far as Wiseman, I think he got suspended three games into his season at Memphis. And so there wasn't, even though he had played three collegiate games, there was hardly any uh, track record there, so uh, another guy that was drafted largely on projections and workouts, and anybody can look good in a workout. The workout is, in football at least, I can speak to that. Um, it's designed, it's scripted to make you look good by your agent, typically. So most guys, if you don't look good in the workout, you ain't good. <laughs> you know this is, because you're going to look way better in the workout than you are. You know, just without those the, the the parameters that your own representative put together. So I think that's really what the the learning lesson is: is that both guys were evaluated off a small sample size.
1: Remember the pro day we talked about the twenty twenty one draft when Trey Lance came out and Zach Wilson rolled to his left and threw back right seventy yards in the air, and everybody was just enamored right. with his arm strength. And yeah, come on. Well, that's
2: there's you know, in his situation is a little different. You know, he played at BYU. You could have tr- you could have parked a suburban between the defensive line and him. I mean, he just had so much room back there. In the NFL, you're always playing in what they call a muddy pocket. There's always bodies around your legs going by you. And for some guys, they don't it doesn't bother them. Other guys, it bothers them a lot. And you just don't know. And that's why he was a little bit of a projection as well. Now, I, I still think that he, we haven't seen the best of Zach Wilson. He may get it going at some point before it's all said and done. But so far, he's done everything wrong, right? He's he's used excuses with the New York media. I mean, that's, you had the entire team wearing T-shirts that had the backup quarterback's name and face and likeness on it. Remember that? Matt White or Mike White? They're all wearing Mike White t-shirts. So he's made some bad decisions and now he's sitting behind Aaron Rodgers and he really wasn't ready to go this year. They are going to trade him in the offseason. They'll get a fresh start somewhere else. But um, it'll be interesting to see where he goes because he he needs more time to adjust to an NFL type environment um, on the field. But he's got great mobility, great arm strength. Uh, he is somewhat of a playmaker. I don't. I think he'll. He may get better before he's before it's all said and done.
1: Well, it's one of those where you get drafted as well. I I, I challenge anybody. I laugh at Aaron Rodgers where he wants to come back with his New York Jet team. There was nobody that was going to be successful with that Jet offensive line this year. I don't know how much you watched them play this year. Oh, yeah. No, I watched, it I watched was the terrible. Hard Knocks
2: all summer, Makai Becton, and yeah, I mean, they. to me, it's like, He's 39 or whatever he is, and he's and he's playing on the worst surface in the entire league. That MetLife services is, is where Bosa tore up his knee, and it's just a terrible, hard, unforgiving surface. So many of the Niner players have terrible things to say about the MetLife surface. And you're 39, and the game's about—it's a young man's game. I don't know. I There's all this talk, oh, well, you know, he's coming back. Okay, now he's going to be 40. I don't think things are going to end well there.
1: It was typical Aaron Rodgers, though. He intimated that he was going to come back. He was going to defy all odds to come back from the Achilles injury. And now at the end, he's like, well, I don't want to give up a roster spot. You know, that wouldn't be fair. He It's just that guy, you talk about, you know, narcissistic behavior. He's a poster child. But I do want to ask you a question when you were talking about the NFL draft, or drafts in general. Why, in this day and age, whether all the advancements that we have at our disposal, whether it's technology and now the NFL game, really mirrors a lot of what they're doing, right? Or at the collegiate level, what they're doing at the professional level. Yeah. Same of, in the A lot NBA. of
2: five wides and spread offenses. And- with,
1: with all that being said, why do they continually miss? You can set your watch to it that someone will miss in this year's quarterback class, whether it's Caleb Williams or whomever, every single year. There is this high level of risk and GMs essentially will admit that, well, well, we really don't know, but you know, there's sort of a hope and a prayer. You would think that, that now in 2023 that they would at least mitigate a lot of that
2: risk, but it seems it's as vast as ever. They're prioritizing the wrong things. I mean, that's really it. Um, I mean, think about it. The, the, the two best quarterbacks I've ever seen, Joe Montana, Tom Brady. Joe Montana went in the third round. Tom Brady went in the sixth round. They both were missed on. Um, Somebody asked the question, if those guys were in the draft right now, where would they go? Probably where they went. Joe would go in the third round, and and Tom would go in the sixth round. You know, if they, if Brock Purdy were in the NFL draft again, where would he go? He'd probably go again in the seventh round because he's, you know, smallish guy from Iowa State with you know, doesn't quite look the part, and and also they're 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 so hung up on the measurables, you know, your height. I mean, the Niners took Alex Smith over. Aaron Rodgers, partially because Aaron Rodgers was six two and change, and Alex Smith was six four and change. So I mean, um, that's that. So if you're really tied to you know height, weight, speed, I mean, really, you care about a forty time? Really? When was the last time a quarterback ran a forty? You know. So what's really important when you play quarterback? Intellect, but not not necessarily GPA. Football intellect, processing, timing, accuracy, um, and 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 just and just ultimately, um, you know, success doing it right. I mean, th- nobody's ever good in the NFL who wasn't good in college. Nobody ever wins in the NFL that didn't win in college, ever. The only—Mahomes would be as close, and even Mahomes— Mahomes had these amazing games in college where he threw for, like— He had one game he threw for 700 yards. But he played at Texas Tech, and they weren't very good. And he lost a bunch of games. But, I mean, there are very few quarterbacks that lose all the time in college but win all the time in the pros. And Brock Purdy did great things at Iowa State. I mean, Iowa State's in the Big 12— um, you know they they were not one of the powers of the Big Twelve, and under Brock Purdy they went to the Fiesta Bowl. The year after Brock Purdy left Iowa State, they went one and eight in conference. So I mean it's you know I think um, people just missed on him. You know, he's too he they missed on. I mean Steve Young was an incredible athlete, so he was drafted much higher. But another guy, probably about six feet and change, six one. You know the NFL wants you to be six two to six five. Well, if you're not six two, you get marked down, you know. And if you're, and if you're, you know, it's it's they've got their they've got their their boxes, and they want you to fit in that box. And if you fit, great. And if you don't, you get marked down for it. So yeah, they're just looking at the wrong things. That you know, they don't they know what they like when they see it, but they don't know how the collegiate skill set's going to translate to the NFL. And then also, there's something to be said for. You know when you really get on an NFL field with NFL athletes and NFL defensive linemen, and these guys are coming flying by you, and it's like you're dodging cars on the on a freeway, um, and any any one hit could end your career. That's unnerving for a lot of guys. So you got to have a guy who's like really really tough, really really smart really really wed to the process of pro football which is the dieting the eating the film study the you know all the things that go into the process of pro football if you hear Brock Purdy talk you know even this week he's asked about the Ravens. He's asked about the commander. He's like, "Well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stick to my process and this and that because that is pro football. It's the process that you go through, and he's wed to that process. So if you got a guy who's smart and tough and a leader, and he's and the ball comes out on time and he's accurate, then you mix in Brock's got really good quickness uh, to get away from the rush. You know that ten yard split that he had is really really good. It's almost as quick as uh, Tyreek Hill." Um, who's like one of the quickest guys in the history of the NFL. You know, Tyreek Hill's 10-yard split's like one Brock Purdy's 10-yard split's like 1-5-4. So he's really, really quick. Um, and that helps him elude the rush and helps him move decisively and kind of explosively in the pocket. And then he's smart. He's competitive. Um, he's courageous to stand in against the rush. And he plays the position at a high level. Which...
1: To get back to Trey Lance's draft, which is why it was sort of a, a bit peculiar and sort of a head scratch, that Kyle Shannon, who I think is one of those guys who does not subscribe to those sort of measurables, but he's looking for that cerebral quarterback, somebody that can execute his system, the Kirk Cousins, if you will, of the world, the Matt Ryans of the world, which was why it was so unusual that he drafted to get someone like that of Trey Lance, who was the, the, the athlete, certainly, but didn't seem to fit that mode of what it is that Kyle Shanahan is looking for in a
2: quarterback. They drafted him based on meeting him, liking him, and the traits that he possessed. Which, I, as I said, I have total confidence that Trey Lance is going to be good. Why? Because, as I said, he checks all the boxes. He's smart, he's tough, he's athletic. He loves football. He's wed to the process of of pro football. He's, you know, he football's the family business. They saw all those same things that I saw. But he, it was a major projection that he would be able to trans to make it happen fast. And what they didn't really think through was what's his true timeline and how does that jive with Our true timeline, you know, if John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are sitting there looking at the Niners, they they got Trey not in the first—if they had drafted him when they drafted Solomon Thomas, they probably could have been more patient because it was year one of the regime. They could have grown up around the quarterback. But they drafted him after they were firmly inside their Super Bowl window, and they had no true commitment to his development and what they were really committed to was having a quarterback on a rookie deal and he checked that box but he wasn't ready to play so ultimately that was you know that's why they kept you know hedging their bet and re-signing Jimmy and and then when they saw Purdy they're like wow look at this guy and then he then Purdy gets thrown into the fire in week 13 in the Miami game and he looked great and then he beats Tom Brady the next week, 35 7. Then he wins up in Seattle. Then he wins a couple playoff games. And then all of a sudden he rips out the elbow, but he showed up this summer and he, his, he wasn't diminished. And now he's picked up where he left off and he's even more developed and better than he was a year ago. And so they looked at it and saw, you know, by August, they're like, hey, look. Brock's the one, Sam's the two, Allen's the three, and Trey's gone. And it was just a matter of what could the best deal they got get for him. Um, I think they were probably getting conditional fifth and sixth round offers. Dallas got excited with a fourth round pick. And you know, the Niners, you know, they said all the right things. You know, we still believe in Trey. We really. Come on, if you re- if you believe in Trey Lance, are you? It's like it's like hey, it's like the we really believe James Wiseman's gonna be a Hall of Famer, but we just trade him to the Lakers. You know, really? It's like when you trade him to Dallas, it was a loud statement. And if I was Trey or Trey's, you know, in Trey's camp, I would I would be mentioning that to him every day. These guys doubted you. These guys these guys didn't just trade you. These guys hand delivered you to for a mid round pick to their arch rival. Nobody could disrespect you more. They don't believe in you, and maybe that will light his fuse because um, I, there's no nothing is more clear when you trade a franchise quarterback to your arch rival for basically nothing that you don't believe in that guy, regardless of what you say.
1: Speaking of Dallas, let's just let's get ahead of ourselves. If it's the Cowboys, it's I think I asked you this yesterday but if Dallas is going to beat San Francisco because there are a lot of people that feel that this is Dallas's year they finally put it together with all that personnel they got on the outside with their corners and you know that offensive line they got a couple of hall of famers in there uh, this is a you know it's a good team on paper is this more be- between the years and the, it's sort of the psychological advantage that that the 49ers especially at home they have over over the uh, the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott at this point, or is there a level of fear should those two teams meet in the postseason?
2: I mean, you always got to be fearful of uh, a team that's as explosive as the Dallas Cowboys are, but the Niners match up really, really well. I mean, Dallas a front running team. They're seven and zero at home. They're three and five on the road. If they play this game, it will be on the road. Um, most likely, so I mean, you're talking about Cowboys venturing on the road. Why do the Niners have their number? Because the Niners can run the ball on Dallas and they can stop Pollard. And so, and Dallas is a one running back team. So the, you know they lost Zeke. They have Pollard, and the Niners can stop Dallas's run game and force Dak to pre- to pass. And then he gets impatient. He threw three picks in the game earlier this year. And then Dallas is a bully team on defense. They've got. Lots of edge rushers. I mean, lots of edge rushers and lots of ball hawking DBs. And if they get a 10, 14 point lead on you, they can peel their ears back and just go hunt the quarterback. And then all the- Dallas can turn a 28 7 game into 42 7 better than any team in football. But the Niners run it down their throat. Every single time. And there's nothing Dallas can do about it. They ran it down their throat in Dallas. They ran it down their throat here. Uh, they beat them decisively this year. I don't think Dallas believes they can beat the Niners. And I think the Niners are ideally suited to to uh, to beat Dallas.
1: And I think San Francisco, again, they've got to take care of business. But if they have that that home field advantage and the rest, as you referred to, getting that bye week, especially since they changed the rules last year, that you, you want to be that number one seed so that you can re- everybody's banged up. But San Francisco clearly needs to have fresh bodies if they want to make that run. And it's not again so much the NFC, but uh, and not to overlook Philadelphia, Dallas, and potentially Detroit, but it's that rematch with Baltimore. And is there anybody else out of the AFC? Obviously Baltimore, after what they did on Christmas becomes, you know the odds on favorite. But is there somebody that's – Buffalo scares me because, again, I'm one of those guys that you look at the teams that are hitting their stride in late December, and when the weather starts to turn, especially in a place like Buffalo, and are people overlooking the Bills or is somebody else out there in the AFC that we're not aware of that could give the 49ers or the AFC a run for their money?
2: I I think it's Cleveland. I mean uh, Really? Joe Flacco? You yeah, think? I mean well, Flacco's throwing I mean, for no, all I know, it's a Flacco story. Yeah, I mean he they got a great defense on all three levels. Um they got a quarterback who's not gonna be shrinking in the moment. They've got some decent weapons. Um you know, they lost Chubb. They lost Nick Chubb for the year. So that that's a that's a crushing that's a crushing loss. And their and their offensive line is not is you know, on, on paper it looked really good uh coming into the year. They've had injuries, they've had disappointing uh, campaigns. So their offensive line has not been very good. And Flacco's old and immobile. But they're rolling right now. I mean they're playing great ball. They got a they got a killer defense. Um, and every one of these teams in the AFC is kind of questionable. Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence has injuries, Kansas City doesn't have very good offensive uh, wide receivers, good weapons, they do have a good defense, but there's something about Kansas City that's just not right this year. Miami's got a gaudy record, but did they beat anybody who's any good? We're going to find out if they're legit this weekend against Baltimore. Baltimore doesn't have very good weapons either. It's the Lamar show uh, on offense, and you know, so that's their kind of bugaboo. Buffalo is is very inconsistent week to week. I mean, they've had some just absolute nightmarish uh, performances. So, yeah, I think if you say who's playing the best, I mean, Baltimore and Cleveland um, and Miami probably are the teams. Well, maybe even Buffalo. They're all playing pretty decent, but I would say Cleveland. I, I think Cleveland is scary. You know, you talk about Cleveland.
1: I read this the other day because. Literally, they he wasn't playing football, and they just said, hey, what sort of shape are you in? Can you come and quarterback our team? And he literally left the house one day and said, hey, honey, I'm going back to the NFL. He was done. But one of the things that somebody on the Cleveland Browns had talked about is that of all the guys that are available, and it's usually the, the same cast of characters, right? It's the Rick Foles, or, I don't know, Tyrod Taylor, who's out there. He's the one guy that when he's talking in the huddle, that he's he's been there, done that. He's an NFL Super Bowl winner. So, you know, that goes a long way in a huddle when you're, you know, a backup quarterback and in trying to, you know, trying to command the, the huddle and, and provide some level of leadership. That there are very few guys that, when you look around and they're telling you what it is that you, they want you to do, that has actually got that pedigree that has actually won a Super Bowl. All right, we got through that segment. You didn't think we could do it, right, Granny? Hey, give us two hours. We'll be Against all, right. all odds. All right, we continue. We're going to wrap up the show. Let's do a little Giants later. You know, I, about-
2: I got some odds, actually. Unbelievably, there are free agent odds, and the Giants are atop the free agent odds, the number one team uh, as far as the odds are concerned for three major free agents. We'll tell you who they are next. On ninety-five seven, The Game.
0: Call from Mom. Answer it. Call silenced. post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today
1: now back to Willard and Dibs on 95.7 the game time for the defensive play of the week Defensive Play of the Week brought to you by East Bay Law Practice. When you need the best defender, you need to call the Bay Area's top criminal defensive attorney. Visit EastBayLawPractice.com today. Let's go back to last night. The Warriors got off to a slow start, but things turned around when Steve Kerr inserted Trace Jackson Davis in the first quarter. He impacted the game on both ends of the floor, including this block.
2: Robinson now. A little herky-jerky move, gets Jackson Davis, drives by him, leans in, goes up, blocked! That's his third block of the corner. Robinson falling out of bounds.
1: The defensive Play of the Week was brought to you by East Bay Law Practice. The East Bay Law Practice knows how to go the distance for you by providing the defense you need to help reduce or eliminate your penalties. Visit EastBayLawPractice.com today. All right, Tim ready?
2: Roy, most underrated uh, announcer in the Bay. Is he underrated? He was
0: fouled. <laughs> I
2: love love Tim Roy, man. Tim Roy and I go way way back. Tim Roy and I sat together poolside in Winnipeg, Manitoba, when he was the voice of the Sacramento Gold Miners. Holy Christmas! This what is back they? in the mid nineties? What was are the Sacramento college. Gold? Ooh. They were a Canadian Football League American expansion of the of, of the CFL in the mid nineties. Tim was the announcer. We were on a road trip to Winnipeg. I, I scouted for them, and we we sat there talking uh, talking about the Rouge, which is you know you don't know your CFL, huh? No. CFL. It's a single. You can get a single point oh, in the right. in the, uh, in, the uh, in the CFL. Anyway, I go way back with the great Tim Roy. What
1: were you doing in in Winnipeg? His... I,
2: I scouted for the Sacramento Gold Miners. Oh, so I, I did quality control. I did player personnel. Um, yeah. And Tim was the voice of the team. Nice. Good stuff. Uh was this one more you ever been to moved? Canada? you ever traveled Yo, Canada? I
1: love it. I love Canada. Are you kidding me? I haven't been to that part of Canada. I spent a lot of time in Vancouver.
2: <laughs> well, Vancouver's like the jewel of Canada.
1: I'm a Montreal guy. I, love my, I like the East Coast. I'm okay. Montreal
2: and But you know, I mean who doesn't love the the uh you know the the the, uh, the look of the of, of Vancouver on oh, the wow. water I mean it's gorgeous. It's incredible.
1: Vancouver Island absolutely picturesque. All right let's let's talk a little San Francisco Giants. Tell me more about that brilliant tease as we went to the break. Did you like that? Oh, I did Well the 49 I mean excuse me the San Francisco Giants
2: uh, forget about Oz they just need somebody but, but talk to me what's going on here yeah, seriously uh, far anxiety if you're driving around. Do something <laughs> Just anything. At this point, uh, anyway, um, you know what? To me, one of the things that I've done more in the last few years is uh, I look at the odds now because the betting—you can bet on everything these days. You know, like when I when I was when you meant we were talking about the Trey Lance draft. I I remember that day, draft day, like it was yesterday, and um, you know the forty the forty nine ers were were favor were uh, favored to draft Mac Jones. Until about noon. And then all of a sudden, the odds shifted to Trey Lance. And sure enough, they drafted Trey Lance. Wow. So we're now in this thing where I it think... tells I'll, you a lot. You're right. It's like the gambling odds tell you a lot. You know, it tells you a lot. Well, who's going to win Niners-Eagles? Hmm. Niners are on the road in Philly, but they're favored. Probably the Niners are better. Probably the Niners are going to win. I mean, every time I see odds, I think... What you know, Vegas knows something. All right, so here are the odds they have odds on free agent players and where they're going to sign. Uh, and there's five of these players, and four of them, the Giants have odds, three of them, they're the favorite. Wow. Okay, I'll give you the players. The players are Matt Chapman, like it, third baseman, Jordan Montgomery, pitcher with the Rangers, Josh Hader. Uh, closer for the Padres, Cody Bellinger, and Blake Snell. Do you want to render a guess which of those guys the Giants are not listed on on for any on any of the? Uh, they're not one of the. They list ten teams that are that are basically interested in each one of these players. The Giants are not listed for one of those players. Which player do you think they are not listed for?
1: Bellinger or Snell?
2: No, it's Hader. Oh. it's hater he's going to the Dodgers isn't he hater is favored to go to the Dodgers six to five odds that he's going to the Dodgers Yan- uh, Rangers are the second choice Yankees are the third choice all right Jordan Montgomery favored team to land Jordan Montgomery Boston Red Sox five to four um Angels three to one Yankees four to one but the Giants do check in at five to one let's we'll so, take it Jordan Montgomery now here are the guys that they are the Giants are favored to sign. Matt Chapman. The Giants are even money, 1 to 1 fa- to to sign Matt Chapman. Cubs are the second choice at 5 to 2, Yankees are the third choice at 4 to 1, Dodgers and Mets are both on there as well at 7 to 1. Diamondbacks at 9 to 1. So there you go. Matt Chapman, the Giants are the overwhelming 1 to 1 even money favorite to sign Matt Chapman. Would that make you happy? I kind of like Casey Schmidt, but I do too. Um, I had Casey Schmidt on on the YouTube, and he's a great kid, man. Love Casey Schmidt, love him. Uh, I don't see why I'd, why the Giants should spend one hundred fifty million dollars on a guy who plays good defense at third when they have a guy who plays good defense at third. Matt Chapman hit two forty last year. I don't want. To, I don't want to see the yeah. Giants pay 140 million dollars or 150 million dollars for a guy with 240. When you got another guy who is on a major league minimum contract sitting right there, can play the heck out of third. So anyway, Matt Chapman, the Giants are favored. Cody Bellinger, the Giants are five to four favorites. Really to sign Cody Bellinger over the Yankees at nine to five, Padres five to one, Mariners five to one, Blue Jays six to one, Dodgers eight to one. Cody Bellinger, what do you think of that? He had he had a big year in Chicago. He had over 300, no, 20 home no. runs, 20 yeah, steals.
1: I think I talked to you about this yesterday. I you mean, don't like him. Well, it was just scary what he did after winning the MVP. I mean, he had an epic
2: fall. He did. He also had a shoulder injury. He had the injuries, a couple shoulder but injuries. But he was healthy
1: for about a year and a half where he just wasn't good. I know. And he's got that buggy whip swing. That's kind of like it's feast or famine. I, I don't. I mean, he was so good. And how could you not like him? You know, five years ago. But uh, that's put him at first
2: base. Yeah. You got Jung Hoo Lee at in center field. I don't know. Um, and then Blake Snell. Blake Snell. Giants are even money one to one favorites to sign Blake Snell. The Red Sox are second at three to one. Cubs at four to one. Angels at five to one. Mariners at six. Dodgers at eight. So the Giants are favored to sign Blake Snell, Cody Bellinger, and Matt Chapman.
1: Well, they better land one of those guys. At
2: have, least is one. Is it possible they would sign all of those guys? No. By the way, the uh, Red Sox today have signed Lucas Giolito. So he's no longer out there. Okay. 38, uh, 38.5 million guaranteed. Two years, 38.5 million for Giolito. So there you go. But that's interesting. I mean, um, Farhan Zaidi, you know the one thing about the Giants is they they went after Yamamoto, they went after Otani, they didn't get either guy. I don't really fault them for going after them, but man, once again, it's like when you aim that high and you don't land those guys, and then Buster starts talking about how the city is not an attractive destination. I mean, it, in some ways, you're dragging you're dragging your fans around, getting them all hot and bothered over free agents that you don't sign, and you're also now kind of making excuses, and there's been some bad PR attached to the city, and I don't know. Seems like I'd like to see Farhan do his work a little bit more stealth, you know, a little bit more behind the scenes, and and um, stop getting people all upset about San Francisco, and excited about players that they have no business getting excited about.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think Anything you can really put on Farhan, especially last year, Aaron Judge played him. up!
2: But he did talk at the trade deadline like, "Hey man, we're gonna we will we're gonna turn over every possible stone. Yeah. We are gonna look. We are gonna be active. We're making deals." AJ Pollock. <laughs> AJ Pollock. Thanks for coming. No hits. Cut ten days later.
1: Well, look at the Giants right now. And I like. Do I have to. Well, look at they have youth. I mean, I. I like a, the way they're currently constructed, but you do you, well. It can go one of two ways. We talked about Casey Schmidt. You and I both like him, yeah. But there's a good chance that you know this guy can't hit major league pitching. What do they say? You need at least fifteen hundred to two thousand at bats to really understand what's going on as a major league hitter. They got no. They
2: got no middle of the lineup, and they got no. They got no rotation. I mean, it's Logan Webb, injured Alex Cobb, and nothing else after that, and. Their middle of their lineup. I mean, who who hits three, four, five? No, I don't know. JD Davis, Matos, Matos, Luis Matos, Matos, Lamont Way. I mean, any combination of guys that they have hitting three, four, five would be as they were the worst offensive team for like four months last year. They need some help.
1: What if if I was to tell you six months from now that Schmidt all of a sudden hits Luciano's. Making a bid for rookie of the year, Tyro's Tyro, pretty small pretty solid. Yeah. You pick up a free agent. The
2: Korean import is everything as expected. He uh, better be. I mean, he's making nineteen million dollars a year. Bailey picks right up where he left a year ago. I, mean, I like I like a lot of those guys. I mean I'm 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 with you on that. I like Matos, I like Bailey, I like Luciano. Um I like some of their young guys. I absolutely do. Duvall, Doval's nasty out of the pen. They just got they gotta get they gotta get more pitching and they got to get somebody who can hit in the middle of the lineup.
1: Agreed. All right, with that, time to say goodbye. What's coming up on the game is brought to you by Fremont Bank, full-service banking, no compromises. Best of the game, an hour, 90, uh, an hour of 95.7, the best uh, content from the day, hosted by Mark Graney. Mark, I'll see you tomorrow for Warriors this week. Uh, my man, Larry Kruger, I enjoyed it. We'll uh, do it again soon. For Larry Kruger, for Mark Graney, this is Dan of Allen saying enjoy the weekend. Goodbye, everybody.
0: conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details hyundai there's joy in every journey t-mobile has
3: invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours